This evening, it's so good to see each of you this evening, and we're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're looking at two verses this evening, verses 12 and 13. As you're turning there, some of you know, but I'm glad to announce my grandson came in the world on Monday at 514, little Ezra Jude, and so uh, we'll see what the Lord has for him. As we go to the word of the Lord this evening, we always want to bring something that's going to help you. I don't have a PowerPoint this evening. Brother uh, Kevin, of course, is with his grandmother. I texted him, asked him if he was going to be here. He said no, so there's no PowerPoint, which I think kind of helps us to stay engaged. But um, I want to share something that I, I know will help you if you would just apply it to your heart because you know there's different age groups in here, but this is something that is is going to touch everyone because it's something we all deal with. It's a battlefield that we all deal with. So I want you to look at these two verses with me. This is, in fact, you probably already know we could quote all these actually. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 12, it reads like this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So in other words, here's a warning from the word of God. Here's a warning from the Holy Spirit. Take heed. Pay attention to this. You need to really look into your life because there's some things. And then it says this in verse 10, in, or verse 13. In verse 13 is one of the first verses, for whatever reason, when I became a Christian, one of the first verses that I ever memorized. And what I used to do is, as a young man, I would write the verses on a three-by-five card, and then I'd write the reference on the other side. And so throughout the day, I'd just look at the reference and look at the thing, and I'd quote it over and over again. How I many you know that we can memorize scriptures? You say, how did we do it? Well, I, I, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough to do it. Oh, sure you are. You know, you repeat something enough, it'll become a part of you. So what, the way I would encourage you to do it is write a scripture on a three-by-five card, write it out on one side, write the reference on the other side, and just throughout the day, just pick it up every once in a while and just read it. Just read it. Meditate on the word. It'll get in your heart. You're amazed. You'll be amazed at how much you retain. And so repetition is a good thing. Here's verse 13. So he warns us in verse 12, take heed. But then he says, no temptation has overtaken you except is what is common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you, his child, to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Here's this. You can overcome everything that comes your way. We're going to talk about that this evening. Father, we ask your blessing upon the word of God this evening. Bless the teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I want to talk about, I just titled this very simply, Four Questions About Temptation. This will be very simple. be easy for every one of us to grasp it. Four Questions About Temptation. I read somewhere that if, when an Eskimo wanted to kill a wolf, that what he would do is he would actually take a knife, a sharp knife, he would coat it in blood, he would allow it to freeze out in the snow, and just leave it out there. And the nature, you know, a nature of a wolf is drawn to blood, drawn to meat, drawn to blood. And so that, that wolf would be drawn, he'd smell that blood, and all of a sudden he'd just start licking it. He'd start licking that knife, licking that frozen blood. But as, as he would lick, that his warm tongue would start thawing that blood. And all of a sudden, as he kept being drawn to that blood, 
he would actually he would cut his tongue and then he would start to bleed. But by this time, his tongue was numb from the cold and he would literally bleed out and, and, and bleed himself to death all because of his desire, all, all because of his nature that was drawn to that. And when I think about that story, I think about this. That's really what Satan does to us, does he not? That's exactly, see, Satan knows how all of us operates. He knows how all of us are put together. He knows our own human propensities. And he, he appeals to that part of us that is temptable. Now, now, we understand all of us in this room are temptable. Now, the scripture says, take heed. Why does it say take heed? Because we're all temptable. Are you with me? Now, listen to this. They'll, you need to hear this. There'll never be a time, no matter how long you live, no matter how much of the Word of God you memorize, now how, no, no matter how many times you're used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, no matter how many people you win to Christ, no matter how many people you preach to, no matter how many mission trips you go on, no matter how much you do for God, no matter, you can live a hundred years, you'll always be temptable. Take heed. Now we're going to talk about this this evening. Here's what we need to understand. Our salvation, meaning just because we are a child of God, that is no barrier to temptation. In fact, the opposite is what most people think. Christians are probably maybe tempted more than lost people. Satan will attack the Christian probably more than lost people because he has a lost person. And he wants the saved person to be back in his kingdom again. So he lo- See, Satan loves nothing more than for a child of God to fall. That's like a trophy to him. That's like something he loves it. He revels in it. You know, you have some Christian that stumbled, and I, I saw it this week. I read this week, another major pastor in our nation of a very large church has not just quit the ministry. He has denounced Christ, denounced Christianity. I pray for him that God would rescue his heart. I mean, you know, something's going on in our nation today. Something's going on. We're seeing things that we've never seen on a level like this before. So, so we need to hear tonight, we in our own hearts and lives, we need to take heed to our own lives. And, we need to, and, we, and by the way, we need to really pray for each other. We need to watch over each other. We need to huddle up together. We need to stay close together. We need to love each other and watch over and care for each other. And we need to be praying for each other constantly so that we won't become one of those statistics. And the best thing to do is just stay close. Stay close to the Lord, close to the work of the Lord. The fact is no one's going to avoid temptation. You're not going to avoid it. You can stay in your house and never come out. You're not going to avoid temptation because you go look in the mirror. Remember what I said Sunday? You go look in the mirror. That's the person that you're going to have to deal most with. You're not going to avoid it, but you can't overcome it. How do I know I can overcome it? Because I've just read it right there. In fact, as, as much as we would like to avoid temptation, as much as we would like to avoid the storms and difficulties in those places that don't make us feel that comfortable. The fact is that those difficult places actually are a great place of reward for us. I won't read it, but James 1.12 says, He that endures temptation will receive something, will receive the crown of life. Every trial you overcome, every difficulty you overcome, you're laying up treasure in heaven. You're laying up something beyond this life that we're investing our lives in eternity. And what God calls us to do is to overcome. You're going to have to face some things. You have to face your own humanness. We all have areas of our lives that are temptable. 
We all have places that we need to deal with in our lives. There, there again, I want to emphasize this because people can be naive about this. It doesn't matter how long you preach, how long you pray, how much of the scripture you know. We're always going to be temptable. The Bible calls us to deal and face with these things. In, in, in the Revelation, it says, he who overcomes, uh, Revelation 2.7, he who overcomes, well, this, verse 17 of that chapter, he who overcomes, verse 26 of that same chapter, three times, he who overcomes will be in the paradise of God, will eat the manna, etc. You got to overcome some things. So let's talk about this tonight. What are some ways? There's three ways that most people deal with temptation. Some people deal with it this way. Some people just give into it. Some people don't even fight it at all. They just, whatever feels good, they're going to go with it. And do you realize that's how most of our world lives? That's how some Christians live, but most, mostly the world lives that way. Because as a Christian, we don't live that way because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And there's, there's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction and dealing with areas. The Bible says in Philippians, it says that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Then it says this, God works in you. You know God's at work in you? Somebody say, I mean, and listen, don't be too hard on folks sometimes. You know why? Because he's still working on you. He's still working on us. So God's working in us what? To will and to do his good pleasure. But the world out there, the world outside, the, world, the, the people who don't know God, many times the way they deal with it, they just go with whatever their flesh, that's, that's the flow that they're in. And that's the way that we were before we knew the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 talks about how we used to live that life. We don't live that life anymore, but some people live that way. There's another area, another way that people deal with temptation, and that's simply they struggle in it every day. But they're not struggling in it the right way. They're, they're, they're trying and, and they're putting human willpower in it and they struggle and they fail and they struggle and they fail. And they're in this cycle of constant guilt. They hate what they do. They, their conscience bothers them, but they're in this cycle. They, 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 they yield to temptation. They say, oh, I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to try harder next time. I'm going to whatever, make a vow to God or whatever. But they're constantly struggling in their own strength. You know, let me give you a little revelation here. The moment you were saved... Let me say it this way. The moment before you were saved, and then the moment after you were saved, your willpower never changed one iota. In other words, the moment you get saved, you don't get your humanness, your human willpower doesn't somehow amp up you know, you know, more strength. Human strength is the same. Human strength cannot overcome sin. Human strength cannot overcome the enemy. The only way to overcome the enemy is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of people. You know, some people are just going with the flow, whatever, I'm just going to live my life and whatever my flesh wants to do, yay. Then the, then the other person, they're just struggling along and they're guilted out and all of this. But then there's this third group, and that's the folks we want to deal with this evening, and that's this. They're those who really do overcome temptation. You can overcome. This Bible says we can overcome. We can overcome. It's, it's possible to have victory through Jesus Christ. But hear this, only through Jesus Christ. And if I don't come back to this, I'm going to say this. If you're struggling in the area of temptation, if you're struggling with sin, trying harder will never do it. Trust God. Watch Jesus work in your life. Watch Jesus break the chain. You can try Till, till the rapture. 
And you're never going to overcome anything. But if you will simply yield your heart to God, continually draw near to Him, just trust Him more, watch Him work in Jesus' name. Amen? He's the strong Savior. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. Rest in Him and watch what He will do. So let's, very simple tonight, four questions about temptation. Simply this. One, first, who is affected by temptation? Who's and, the, and the answer is simply this. Every single human being, saved and lost, is affected by temptation. The greatest people we know, who, whatever that means, to the least, everyone. The Bible says that it is common. Now listen to this. Jesus dealt with temptation. The holiest man who ever lived dealt with temptation. Apostle Peter dealt with temptation. Great King David dealt with temptation. And everyone in between is going to deal with temptation. We are, we are daily, daily, we are assaulted as God's people. It seems like more and more now. We are assaulted from every avenue to media, billboards, everything. All around us, we are assaulted with temptations. Temptation is not a sin. Look at, look at this verse. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Look at this. Now, I'm going to say this again just so you'll get it. Temptation is not a sin. The sin only enters in when you yield to it, when you give in to it, when you meditate on it, when you let it have control of your part of your life. Temptation is not a sin. How do I know that? Look at this verse. Hebrews 4 verse 14 or verse 15. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest, now this is Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was, but was in all points tempted as we are. Think about that. Jesus was tempted in every point and in every category, not saying he had every minute temptation, but every category. We see that in his temptation in Matthew 4. He was tempted in every category that we would ever be tempted in, yet, read it, without sin. Sin or temptation is not a sin, only when we yield to it. I think one of our greatest dangers is thinking we could ever get to the point where we're beyond temptation. Or I'm going to get so holy in my life, I'm never going to sin again. I'm never going to be tempted toward evil again. I think that's a dangerous place to be in. Once again, verse 12, take heed how you stand. Take heed how you stand, lest you fall. Remember Proverbs 16, verse 18? Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty lifted up spirit before a fall. Our pride is a very dangerous thing. In fact, I think it's more dangerous than any of us could ever imagine. I want you to listen to this description. I, I copied this out of one of my study Bibles. I think it's excellent. Just listen. This is a definition of pride. Here's what it says. The opposite of humility is pride and arrogance. Here's what it is. It's an exaggerated feeling of self-importance. An exaggerated feeling of self-importance. Pride often gloats over one's perceived merit superiority, or accomplishments. 
The inevitable tendency of the human nature and of the world is toward pride and not toward humility. End quote. I think that's excellent. That's an excellent description. You ever wonder why God just doesn't kill the devil? Wouldn't you just, just, you know, like somebody, I heard someone say one time, I'm going to ask God about mosquitoes and roaches. Why didn't he get rid of that stuff? Why did he allow that stuff to get on the ark? Well, sometimes you may wonder, why doesn't God just banish the enemy where we're never tempted toward evil anymore? But you really wouldn't want God to do that. And here's the reason why. How would we ever prove our love for God? How could you ever prove you really love God? Unless there's something to overcome, something to sacrifice, something to fight for. I'm telling you, Jesus is worth fighting for. Our relationship with Jesus is worth whatever struggle you have to go for. And I think the greater the struggle, the greater the trial, the greater the difficulty, the greater the temptation, the more it says, God, I love you. Just think about that. So think about this this evening. Who's affected by temptation? Here's the first question. Everyone. Everyone you'll ever meet is affected by temptation. Here's the second question this evening, and that is, where do our temptations come from? Where do our temptations come from? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. So in other words, here's what we need to say about that. You know, people want to make a big deal of their problems, a big deal of, oh, I'm going through all this. But the truth of the matter, what you're going through is what the person next to you is going through. And what they're going through is what they're going through. And what they're going through is what those people driving by outside are going through. Why? Because everyone's temptations are not some great thing. It's the run of the mill. It's what everybody's dealing with. Why? It's common to every single human being. It's common. So think about this. I was looking at this today, and I thought, okay, where did all this temptation business start? Well, it started in Genesis 3. So what we see here is, in Genesis 3, 1 through 7, we see Eve's temptation, right? What, what, so Satan shows up. We know that here he's cunning. He's the most cunning beast of the field that the Lord had made. And so he says to the woman, here he is. He says, as God indeed said, so he questions God's word. As God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, big mistake there. She should not even be in conversation with the devil. Come on. You just get rid of him. You just tell him to get gone. But anyway, and she says there, you know, we must eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, the fruit of the trees in the midst of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So he questions the word of God, and then he denies the word of God. He says, God is not truthful. Well, God is truthful. The, battle, the battlefield is, a, is about the Word of God. Do you know where the battlefield in our land is? It's about the truth of the Word of God. It's never changed. Why? It's common to man. So here we are thousands of years ago, however long ago this was, she was dealing with the common things that you're dealing with today, that I'm dealing with today, that's on our news today, that's in our world today, the exact same conflicts. And then she goes on and says, he said, you shall not surely die for God knows in the day that you eat thereof. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So the woman saw, listen, the woman saw the lust of the eyes. See it? The woman saw lust of the eyes. Desirable. It was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. 
The tree was desirable to make one wise, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. She took the fruit of it. She said to her husband, uh, she gave to her husband, and he ate, and the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves covering. And, and man has been trying to hide from God ever since. Thousands of years ago, here's where it all started. Now let's fast forward to this verse. Thousands of years in the future, the Holy Spirit gave this to John. 1 John 2.16. Here's what he says. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father of the world. Thousands of years before, we have Eve's sin, or Eve's temptation. Thousands of years in the future, we have everyone's temptation. Why? It's common to man. So look at this. What are the three, three common sources of temptation? Here they are. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world. Let's look at that quickly. The world is, when the Bible talks about the world, it's not talking about the round globe. It's not talking about the trees and the fish. When the, wor- when the Bible talks about the world, it talks about a system. A system that is organized, that is really evil. A system of evil. Now we understand the world is not like it was in the beginning. It's not like it before sin. The world before sin, it was an orderly world. It was a world that Adam and Eve fellowship with God. But when sin came, everything went haywire. And everything is bent the wrong way. And now we have a world today that is a system, for the most part, that is evil. The word world, the word is cosmos, and it, mean, it, it really is the vast world system that is independent of God. It's going away from God. It has no regard from God. So think about it. Look at our school systems today, for the most part. Look at, look at the, the medical situations many times. Is it, is it of God? Is it for life? No, it's against the Lord. So think about this, the world. It's possible for you as a child of God to allow the world to rob you of your distinction. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, If you lose your savor, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing to be cast out. What's it talking about there? It's talking about the salty kingdom the kingdom characteristic that's in the child of God. Uh, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed, etc. That's kingdom nature inside the child of God. And then in verse 13, he says, but if you lose that saltiness, and what, that's what the world is trying to do, pull that distinctiveness, that Christ-likeness to pull that out of you. And we're called to be distinct, by the way. Amen? We're not called to be thermostats. Or we're called to be thermostats and not thermometers. We're not called just to respond to what the culture's doing. We're called to be set. We're called to set the temperature of our lives according to the B-I-B-L-E. And so think about it this evening. The world is a, is a, is a source. And then the flesh. See, we're born, every one of us are born with a bent towards sin. David said this, in sin my mother did conceive me. So, and then in, you know, we inherited this. Romans 5.12 talks about how that one man sinned and all sinned. 
There's, it doesn't mean that I sinned. It doesn't mean that Adam's sin necessarily counts for me. It means that I, my own sin. I mean, oh, come on, come on, come on. I don't have to worry about Adam's sin. I've got my own stuff. You've got your own stuff. Why? Because, because of that bent nature, every human being that's ever lived has fallen short of the mark of God's righteousness and God's holiness. And so what's happening inside our hearts? Listen, I'm, just, I'm trying to help you this evening. What's, what, what is the real deal tonight is this. Inside the human heart of every person, but even the child of God, there's a civil war going on inside of you. Oh, well, I thought I was going to get saved. You know, it's a wake-up call. You know, you get saved, you get full of the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden one day you're tempted and you, 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 you're battling your own humanness. And you go, well, Lord, I thought, I thought this was much more wonderful than that. The truth is, the Bible says in Galatians 5.17, the spirit lusts against the flesh, and the flesh lusts against the spirit, so that you cannot do the things that you will. In other words, it tries to hinder you from following the, the will of God. And the, we can't blame it. Remember, some of you are not old enough to know this. Remember Flip Wilson? Some of you say, who's Flip Wilson? He was the guy on TV. He said, the devil made me do it. I'm going to tell you this. The devil will tempt you. The devil will entice you. But we cannot blame our sin on the devil. We Listen, look, can I read this to you again? Listen, we have a responsibility. Listen again. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you're able, but will the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We can overcome every temptation. The devil can't make you and I do anything. It's our responsibility. James I won't read it for time's sake, but James says, talks about the process when, you know, sin is conceived and it does this. And it talks about that process there. God doesn't tempt anyone. Now, God allows spiritual tests to help us and strengthen us. But temptation is different. Temptation is toward evil. And God would never do that. God doesn't. But we're tempted when we're drawn away of our own carnal desires. Come on, don't shout me down here. And then there's the, the devil is one who tempts us. He wants to tempt us to dishonor God. He wants to destroy us. Do you know he hates you? Right. Satan hates you. He has no pity, and he wants to destroy your life. He'll try to convince you that sin doesn't matter. He'll try to convince you that whatever. But I'm telling you, he hates you. He wants to destroy all that is good. Any image of God that's in you, he wants to destroy. You need to know that. So think about these two questions, and these last two will be quick. First question was, who is affected by temptation? Everyone. Secondly, how, how, uh, where do our temptations come from? Three sources, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So let's think about this. How are we tempted? That's the third question. How are we tempted? Now, you're made in the image of God. That means you are a tripart being. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do you know you are a tripart being? As God's creation, you, you possess a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Spirit, soul, body. And that's the areas God's working on. And those are the areas where temptation is going to take place. First of all, the soul. What is my soul, Pastor? If I could explain it this way, this is the way you're... If you could see uh, this, let's pretend like this is a TV. What you have here is you have a box. That's your body. And then you have a color picture. The color picture is your personality. It's your, it's your mind, your will, your emotion. It's your personality. 
If you had no personality, just be black and white. But we all have personalities, different. So it's a color screen. It's your personality. But then you have to have a signal coming in from some TV station out there. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. Now think about this. First of all, the soul. The world is the tempter of the soul. The world will entice you. You need more. You deserve more. See? The world appeals to the ego. The world appeals to the pride. A worldly person lives for pleasure. It's like Lot. Remember Lot? Lot looked out there and he saw Sodom and he saw that it looked good. It was pleasurable and he went down. But what he didn't know is that pleasure in that world, he was going to lose everything. His soul was tempted. And then there is, of course, the body. The old nature, the Bible talks about the old nature. The old nature is what we were in Adam and it attacks the body. We're tempted toward laziness, toward lust, toward overindulgence, etc. David was tempted in the body, the David and Bathsheba situation. And then there is the spirit. Satan is the one who tempts in the area of the spirit. Now think about this. The soul is about self-consciousness. But the spirit is about God-consciousness. See, our spirit sets us apart. We're different than the animals. An animal can't choose Jesus. An animal works on simple created instinct, like the wolf I talked about, or any other animal. That's why animals can be trained, because we know they have a certain instinct about them. But they can't know about the blood. They can't understand the preciousness of God's grace through the cross. But we can. And we can have a relationship with God that animals cannot. Why? Because when we're born again, our spirits come alive. We were dead in sins, but in salvation, our spirits are made alive. And all of a sudden, we have a connection with God through the Holy Spirit. How do we, how do we worship God? In the Spirit. They that worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. Our spirits worship God. Our spirits communicate with God. And Satan wants to do anything he can to hinder your communication with God, to hinder your relationship with God. He'll do anything. He'll distract you away. He'll bring false doctrine to pull you away from the Lord. But he attacks in the area of the spirit. And really, Peter's temptation was in spirit. He doubted God. He doubted God. So think about it as we close. First question, who's affected by temptation? All human beings, all of us. Number two, where do our temptations come? Three sources, world, flesh, the devil. How are we tempted? The soul, the spirit, the soul, the body, body, soul, spirit. Here's the last thing, and that's this. What do we do when we're tempted? Very simple. I'm going to give you three words. I close. Three words I close in the teaching tonight. Three words. How do I overcome temptation? Three words. Flight. Everybody say flight. Faith. Say faith. Say fight. Here it is. You want to overcome the flesh? Flight. F-L-I-G-H-T. The key to overcoming this area? Flee. Do you know the Bible tells us to flee some things? Listen to this. I'm almost done. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 10.14. Flee idolatry. 1 uh, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee youthful lust. We can't put ourselves in places and expose ourselves to certain things and think that we're going to need strong. There's things that we need to just get away from. 
There's things that we just need to stay away from. When, when, listen, in the Joseph situation in Genesis, he got out of Dodge, man. He thought, I'm not staying around here. I'm not going to be like Eve and talk to the devil. I'm getting out of here. And he left the house. You know what I'm talking about. I don't have to go in detail. There's some things we just need to flee from. We need to get away from them and let them have no part of our lives. Second thing is faith. When we have faith, see, we live in a world that's warring against our faith. If we're going to overcome the world, we need faith. The Bible said this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our, our faith. We need to trust God like, like this. When Daniel said, I'm not going to trust, I'm not going to worship you know, the Hebrews. I'm not going to worship that idol. I'm going to pray to the, my God, Daniel said in another story. They trusted God. They literally said, God, I'm going to trust you. The, the three Hebrews says, even if, you don't deli- even if God doesn't deliver us, we're so committed in our faith, we won't bow to your gods. And that's what we need. If we're going to overcome this world, we've got to have enough faith that God's going to take care of us. No matter what happens, a firm stand in faith. You overcome the world by faith. And then we overcome the devil by fighting. See, you've got to stand and you've got to fight. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And what does he do? He flees instead of you. See, you can't run from Satan. You can't, but you can drive him away. You have authority over the devil because you're a child of the living God. We don't, listen, like I I, I start, or I end rather, conclude where I began. And that's this. You'll never win in your own strength. The devil is no more afraid of you than than a flea. Demon spirits are not afraid of you on your own, in your humanness. But hear this. Are you listening? Say amen. Come on. Satan is terrified of the blood of Jesus. He's terrified of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to hear about the blood of Christ or anything like that or any kind of praise to God. Your victory is not on your own. Your victory is not in your own strength. Your victory is in praise to God. It's in the blood. It's in the word of God. How did Jesus defeat the enemy? He he didn't run. He took his stand and he fought in the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. And the enemy left him. And he'll leave you. See, if you'll fight Satan, he'll flee. Ephesians 4.27. Give no place to the devil. 1 Peter 5 and 8 and 9 says this. For your, for your, intimate, your adversary the, is like a roaring lion, Satan seeking whom he may devour. And then it says in verse 9, which we don't often quote, resist him steadfast in the faith. Come on, amen. I want you to stand. And uh, maybe, maybe tonight, <clears throat> it's a little warm in here. I don't know. Is it warm in here? It's kind of warm in here. Maybe this evening, if, if you just play, maybe this evening, maybe this has touched a, a place in your heart. The battles won't be over till we stand in his presence. We've got to continue to fight the fight of faith. But you know what? We have a great God that's never lost a battle. I mean, no, he loves us. Come on, he loves us. I bring this message tonight because I love you. 
Missy and I love you. We're for you. We're for your faith. We're, we're for your relationship with God. But I want you to just think about this as you bow your heads. I know there's been times in my life when I've fought lengthy spiritual battles and I just feel depleted. You know, it's just like this. It's like when you go out and jog, let's say. You're depleting physical energy or you go and work outside all day and in the sun and you're, you're depleted physically. I believe that there's spiritual energy that's depleted from your life. That's why it says in the scripture, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. Be constantly being filled. Because the Lord knows, and we need to know, that our victory is not in our own human willpower. Your willpower may get you a little place, a little ways, but it won't win victories in the Spirit. But as we draw near to the Lord, the greatest thing you can do in, in, in life and in trials, storms, difficulties, temptations, is to draw as close to Jesus just stay close to Jesus. Just stay near to Him. Just love being near to the Lord. So right now, as Sister Stephanie just plays, I want you to just draw near to the Lord. Whatever that means to you. However, you can draw near by just praising Him or being quiet in His presence. But it's in spirit that we draw near. God's not a physical being. You, you, you know, being in a certain building, at a certain address, God doesn't live at a location. God lives among His people by the Holy Spirit. You can draw near to God anywhere because we worship in spirit. We worship on the inside. We're filled with the Holy Spirit on the inside. And so right now, I just want you just to draw near to the Lord. Would you do that with me? Just begin to worship Him. Lord, we just worship You. Lord, we just lift our hearts to you. We lift our hands to you. We lift our voices to you. And Lord, I know that your people go through trials and struggles, but Lord, remind us all this evening that our strength is in the Lord, the mighty one, and he's a very present help in trouble. And so Lord, if your people tonight feel depleted of your spirit's presence. I pray for a new infilling of God's power. I pray tonight, saint of God, saints of God, that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God to overflowing with great power. That resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to fill your life and to give you victory over every satanic assault. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, our faith.